in scripture studies, the, there's a saying that says the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament and the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. That together they make uh, a whole and an understanding of who God is and we see a beginning, we see a point with which things come to a pinnacle, you might say, and uh, that finds itself in the New Testament. Many would say that the high point of the Old Testament is the Ten Commandments. Moses is called up the mountain and given the uh, law, given the gift of how God wants us to live in relationship with him, relationship with ourselves, and relationship with others. And today we hear in the gospel what would be proposed, many say, as the pinnacle of the New Testament, the Beatitudes, that the law gives way to the law of love, and so we have the Beatitudes as the fulfillment of those commandments. What we need to keep in mind is the last couple weeks have been, um, or last week was the beginning of what we will have for five weeks from the Gospel of Matthew. And as we recognize these chunks that began last week, we realize he, he began his mission last week was the beginning of his mission, and he calls the people to repent. And from that place, then, he begins this journey where he takes them up a mountain. And in the mountaintop, then, with his disciples, after all those people were gathered, he goes and he goes up the mountain. He begins to teach his disciples and help them understand something they maybe intuited or they had been uh, instructed in through their uh, journey as being people of the chosen people of the Israelites. Uh, and here he is wanting to fulfill them. And so he gives them the Beatitudes, but then he goes on to say many more things, which we'll hear over the next four weeks, next three weeks, including this week. Total of five weeks, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew. And then it's Ash Wednesday. We're already getting to that great time of the year that we love Ash Wednesday, that beautiful day that begins our Lenten journey. So um, here we are, and what we recognize, what I want to point out is in this dialogue that he has, that the New Testament is revealing something about the Old Testament. It's not an accident that Jesus went up the mountain. It's not an accident that he says he sat down. I want us to go back to Exodus where we have this beginning of the Lord giving so much to Moses. Exodus 20, 19-16. The header, which isn't scripture, but it gives us the point of what it would say. It'll keep things uh, succinct. says, God speaks to Moses on the mountain. So already the purpose of what's happening is Jesus, a people, they know exactly, they know the Torah, they know what it is that has happened. They don't live in a world of Facebook and Twitter and all these things, like they have it in their being. In their being is the Torah. They know this word. So when Jesus is going up the mountain, they are thinking relationship with God. They may be thinking, they don't say it, but to them, to go up the mountain was the place in which man communed with God. The place in which God gave the human beings the most important things. 
And so here they are, they're going up the mountain, right? And there's a tradition that says that when Moses was receiving this, he was seating. He was seated. Right? And in the Israelites, still today, you can go and you can do research on the seat of Moses. Right? It was believed, like in the synagogue, the, the person who was making the command, when they were reading it, they would sit down in a seat and they would read it. And then when they commented on the readings, they would stand up. As if to say, in this position, I'm just passing on what was given to me. Now I'm going to make the transition. Right? This is why, in the, in the well, we won't get good on that. Uh, this is why the bishop has a chair at a cathedral. Right? So Jesus is doing this. He's sitting down. So there's something already beginning to work in them as he then begins to talk to them. And what is it that if we go back and we stay with Moses, what happens with Moses? He's given the Ten Commandments. Okay? Then, as it goes on here in Exodus, we see in 24, says again, on the mountain, and it goes into 25 and it says, the table of the bread of presence. And he's instructing them in this table that has this uh, uh, bread that they're going to call the bread of presence. This is what God has given to them. They already, the Israelite people, yes, we know the manna, but already in their form of worship, they already are being given bread that contains a presence. I hope it's not like too much of a leap, guys. Like, we got to stay though in Exodus. It's easy to want to just go jump to the altar. But in Exodus, he's saying, okay, there's this bread of presence. And then what does he say in 31, 25, 31, Exodus 25, 31, he talks to them about making a lampstand and gives very detailed the base and the shaft of the lampstand, hammered, use hammered work and three cups made like almonds. And I mean, it's all super detailed, right? And then what's it says next? It says the tabernacle. Now, don't think this. The tabernacle is the, the tent, if you would imagine, more like a, a circus tent without the roof. Think of it like that. That's tabernacle. Tabernacle means dwelling because this is the place God is instructing Moses to have built where he is going to come and dwell. And he's going to be present. The one who is speaking to Moses says, I'm going to be present. Do you think Moses doubted whether God might be present in that tent or not? I mean, we might. The people he's talking to might. But God is talking to him. He's like, build this tent, because the thing that's happening to you, I want for all of them too, and wherever you go, I want to be there. And so it's this tent, and he gives very specific instructions on what should be built and how it should be done, the framework of it all, the veil that should be there, the screen, the sections, where it is. And then one of the things that he talks about is the oil for the lamp. And another thing he talks about is the daily offerings that are to be offered there. And then he talks about the altar of incense. We have in the Old Testament God beginning something that isn't totally revealed, but will be revealed in the New Testament. 
And here we can see how it's concealed in this way, that God is at work and drawing them into a life. And so in the gospel, we have the Beatitudes, but we have a whole life that's happening. Right? And in the weeks that will come, we're going to start hearing things like, I don't want to give it away. (laughs) You got to go read it if you want to read it. The next three weeks, Sunday's gospel. Right? And we're going to figure out, we're going to hear more allusions back to the Old Testament and to what it is that God did with Moses on the mountain. And how God called Moses up the mountain to feed the people, and God called the disciples up the mountain to feed them in a way that they could feed the people. I got one caution. One bone I want to pick with the exegetes. Exegetes are the people who spend all of their lives dissecting all the Bible. The pinnacle's not the Beatitudes, my friends. The pinnacle of Christianity, the pinnacle of the New Testament, the pinnacle of the gospel is not the Beatitudes. The pinnacle is the person of Jesus Christ. Why do I say this? Because we live in a time in which moralism is like hyperactive. Everybody, wherever you're at, is like about how you behave. And I don't know if you add up to the Beatitudes or not in your life. I don't know if when you heard that, you thought, how am I behaving or how are other people behaving? But that's what we have here. It is about the way in which you live the gospel. No question about it. But if we don't go back and realize that it's the sinful people that are called into this relationship and realize that it's Jesus Christ who changed their lives, then we start with the consequences. And we eventually realize, I don't have the power to live this. And then we start thinking, they're all duplicitous. They're living this way. They're saying those things. Yes, the Christian claim is that God is here. And I met him. That's the pinnacle. Do you know him? Do you know the person who called you here? Do you know the person who is pulling you out of darkness? Do you know the person who created and sustained and transformed the people who have called you? Do you know the person who wants to give you a second chance? Do you know the person who spoke these words of such beauty and blessing? called the Beatitudes? All these things will pass away, but he and you will not. 
An interesting thing happened when I was directing the seminarians. Number one, I realized that they're all very different and called in unique and particular ways. But I discovered, I could see again as I did in my own life, that just doing everything isn't the same as knowing him. I think it's what happens to us on this journey. But on the journey, if you're like me, you get forgetful. <laughs> or on this journey, you, if you're like me, you, you get the opposite of the readings today. And you're like, I'm really strong. I can figure this out. <laughs> right? Let me go. I know what I'm doing. I don't need any help. And it works for a bit. And God gives us just enough leash. But eventually we discover, I'm looking for something else. And we see in the first reading that he promises, he says, seek. Seek. So even if you don't know him, even if what I'm saying seems like it's like from some other planet and you're thinking, Father, I wish you'd act like Moses and just sit down. <laughs> they aren't a very laughing crew today, are they, Veronica? <laughs> if you don't know him, I can assure you you're seeking for something. It's why you came to the university. It's why you're on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. I'm sorry, you're not on Facebook. Me and all your parents are. <laughs> it's why you go to the muck to eat. It's why you're sad when friendships don't work out the way you want. It's why when you look at that other woman or other man and you're like thinking, oh, I wonder if they'd go on a date with me. You're seeking something. And God knows what it is that you were made for. Have you ever considered that he's the one that actually is already at work in you and that's why you're seeking? When one meets the power of Jesus Christ in their life, almost always, something immediately happens afterward. You're brought all the way back and you begin to see it was you who was at work here and here and here and here. God was at work when he called Moses up that mountain and gave him the Ten Commandments. God was at work when he called those disciples up that mountain and gave them the Beatitudes. And God is at work today, and he has called you to this mountain where the fulfillment of everything he wanted to reveal to the world is revealed and given to you. That the tabernacle of this place would be a place in which you could be assured of his presence. And that bread would be brought forward and offered to God. 
and transformed into his living presence, that you might be fed, and that you might remember who it is that called you. The pinnacle of all of your lives is the person of Jesus Christ, who suffered, rose, and ascended into heaven out of love for you.